All right, good morning everyone. Nice to see you all. How are you two? From Aubrey. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, good to see you guys. My name is Braden. I'm um, a guest presenter today. I actually live in Mildura, so I've come all the way down uh, to see you all, but also to see my friends that live here as well. I used to live in Melbourne, um, so it's great to be back here. I really like Melbourne. Um, yeah, so this is how, how long have you guys been here in this church? Been for this year. This is how long you've been here, and previously you were in the city. So now we're in Australia's first Adventist church. I saw. We're in a lot of uh, history here, which is pretty cool. Um, so today, I just want to go through like one kind of passage of scripture. Nothing too sort of serious, but we'll get a bit deep. So if you have your Bibles today, um, I'd encourage you to open them up to John chapter two and verse 13. So John chapter 2, starting in verse 13, and um, I'm going to do a little bit of reading this morning. Okay. Um, so John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you do, can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So a a passage that we've all probably heard before, but it's a it's remarkable, I think. Like every time I read it, it's a it's such a like um, (laughs) courageous thing for Jesus to do. And we understand a bit about the temple and how big of a deal it was to the Jewish people. We'll get into that in a minute. But it was such a big deal for Jesus to do this. So a few things. This, this, um, this incident is recorded in every gospel, which is unique. Um, in John, it's got it happening at the start of Jesus' ministry. The others all have it at the end of Jesus' ministry. So just before his death on the cross. You could say, some people might say that it was two events, it happened twice. Some people say it was one event and it was happened at different times. Um, but this one in John happened at the start of Jesus' event, um, <laughs> the start of Jesus' ministry. It happens just before, just before this in John chapter 2, Jesus changes water into wine. So this, is, this was his first miracle. And at that event, um, Mary asked him, um, to do to do to change the water into wine, he said, "What did he say?" He said, "No, my time has not yet come. It's not my time." 
Well, it would seem now his time has definitely come. He's made us, he's made a scene in this temple um, and he's, he's made a statement at the start of his ministry. He's come out with a bang. So, the temple. Actually, sorry, first, the Passover. So, this occurs at Passover. Passover is one of the festivals that Israel has. Every, there's, I don't know how many festivals, there's a couple, but this is Passover. This is the second time Jesus has come into Jerusalem for the Passover. The first one was when, well, first one recorded was when he was kind of 12. You know the story where they come to and, and they find him in the temple. So second time it's recorded that he's in Passover. Um, so the Passover was a real high point of the year and it awakened national feelings and hope of the coming redemption. So it, it, it's got its roots in um, Egypt when the spirit kind of passed over the doors, right? So God had their back, pulled them out of Egypt, so it symbolises sort of freedom, God's on our side, redemption. So there's a lot of like kind of national pride. So painting a picture of what's going on in this story, right? Israel, it's, it's a high point of the calendar. They're excited. God's with us. They're under the Roman rule at this point. So God's going to restore us from these Romans. There's a lot of hope, hype, and yeah, they're just, they're just stoked. Like they're, this, is, this is a high day for them. And people come from all over into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, the capital, people are travelling far and wide. It's important to remember. The second thing significant is the temple. So the temple, the original purpose of the temple, the, the tent, the sanctuary in the Old Testament, um, it says in Exodus 25 verse 8, have them make a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. That was the purpose of the tent, the tabernacle, and the temple, God's presence with the people. God's presence with the people. That's the point of the temple as a whole. So it, it, it's, it's such an important place and it's like the bridge between humans and people. Between humans and God. Between humans and God. It's the bridge between humans and God. So it's significant, right? So this particular temple um, doesn't seem to work. But this particular temple, Herod's temple, was um, started, just go back one, yep, that one, was started um, a few years before. It was probably started around 18 BC, so before Jesus was born. And it said, well, in the, in the text... Um, they replied it has taken 46 years to build this temple. So this temple took a long time to build, 46 years. And even at this point, it seems like it still probably wasn't finished because I think it was finished, um, I didn't write it down, but it was finished at another time. So it's, it's a significant temple. So there's a, on top of Passover, there's also look at our fancy new temple. This is this is legit. This is a, this is this is going to be special. This is the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of um, 
reclaiming the promised land, we're coming back. You know what I mean? Like soon enough the Roman Empire will be gone and we'll be back. That's the promise. That's like there's so many promises of a Messiah in the Old Testament and God's kingdom and to them it was here on earth. It was going to be Jerusalem. So, yeah, this is kind of a comparison to the old temple which Solomon built, so it's way bigger and way better. Um, This is... Yeah, so there's a, there's a few sort of um, areas, right? You've got the most holy place in the in the middle behind the curtain and the holy place, and then you have this courtyard where they have do the sacrifices, and then there's a women's courtyard, and then there's a Gentiles courtyard. I've shown this because it kind of shows a bit of a hierarchy on who how close you can get to God. I'm not sure this was God's real original plan for the temple, right? You've got this court on the outside that the Gentiles can get to. You can't go any further. Then you've got this court for the women and probably the disabled and the invalids, but you can't go any further than that. And then you've got this other courtyard, whereas if you're a Jewish man, you can go in there, but you can't go further. If you're a priest, you go in the holy place, but no further. Most holy place, you can go in if you're the high priest, but no further. Well, that is the furthest you can go. But you know what I mean? There's like tiers of people and how close you can get. So it's like a hierarchy, right? Um, yeah, it's not working again. This is yeah, the whole thing. The Gentiles courtyard is this massive area and this is the whole Temple Mount. So the Temple Mount still exists today and now there is a mosque on top. If we just go to the next slide. Uh, that's the comparison b- between an American football field and the temple, so it's pretty big. And just go next one. So that today, that's the Wailing Wall. And next one, next one, that's, yeah, and next one, no, that's, that's, that's it. Okay. So, yeah, I've tried to paint a bit of a picture on how big of a deal this is. New temple, Passover, and you've got people travelling long distances to attend. So when we look at this story, I don't know, as a kid, I feel like I was presented this story as like Jesus was angry because the people were being disrespectful in the temple. That's partly true, yeah. They're being a bit irreverent in God's house, but I think there's more to it than this. I think there's more to it. So, like I said, people travel long distances and you would come and you would buy a sacrifice to sacrifice to be right with God. That was their system. They would sacrifice an animal to be, um, what's the word, atoned for. They'd be at one with God. So they would have to do an animal sacrifice. And people would come from far and wide. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the football before. Have you been to the footy? And you bought food there. How much is the food? It's very expensive. Because you have no choice. You have to buy their food because you can't, if you leave and come back, you can't bring food in. So they kind of bump the prices up. This is similar to what goes on in the temple. You've got to pay temple prices for temple sacrifices. In fact, you had to transfer your money into the temple currency and then buy their stuff, their sacrifices. 
So people are being sort of ripped off and they're relying on the people at the temple to gain access to God. And this, to me, this is this goes against one of our sort of, as Adventists and Christians, this is against one of our core sort of beliefs, that we are made righteous by faith. We're declared righteous by our faith in Christ, not by what we can pay, not by someone else's, someone else working on our behalf. We have direct access into, to God. When Jesus died, the temple curtain that blocks the most holy place, the holy place, tore in half. So it symbolised the end of that system and now we are all able to have direct access to God. But I, I think that like these, like these people who are selling sacrifices, who are working in a corrupted system, not to say that the, the system itself was good, the, the priests were meant to be there to facilitate a relationship between the people and God, but it had become corrupted where they had power over the people. And my question to us is as Christians and as the church, can we make it difficult for people to get to God? Do we put expectations on people and not allow people to come to God? I don't want to give the answer there, but I think in many circumstances we do. I think we've been in churches before where people are judged for what they wear or what they say or what they might have done the night before. And they're not allowed to come to God. You can only come to the Gentiles' court, no closer. So the temple people were meant to guide people to God, to guide people to restoration, but they turned into guards. So we have to be careful that we do not turn into guards, to guard our truth and to not let anyone twist it or pervert it or anything like that. Instead, walk by people's sides, guide them into truth. We have to protect God. God can protect himself. He's a big God. He's, he's, he, can, he can protect himself. So instead of setting up things that protect people and drive people away, let's invite people to and, and walk with them and, and teach them and guide them. All of this, the Bible, the, the law and all this stuff isn't there to separate us from God. All of this is there to guide us to God. I think people look at us and think that that's not the case, but that's what is meant to be the case. We're, we're here to give people an opportunity not to scare people away.
So there's, um, yeah, some of my thoughts on that um, passage. I think it's a really sort of powerful one. Um, and, and Jesus is well and truly making a statement. And he's, and he's, he's not taken this lightly. He's seen a corrupted system and he's done something. He's spoken up and he's turned over the tables. And this would have been revolutionary. This was their central system. They're like there was no law of the land. It was that was the law. This is their whole political religious system. And this was yeah big. So um, yeah, may we not be like this. May we not become corrupted like the Jews had become. And um, may we guide people to Jesus. We'll just pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the guides we've all had in our lives who have guided us to you and taught us about you and the fact that you're our guide, that you're our shepherd and that you've led us in our lives. We pray that we can pass this on to other people in our lives, our friends, family, people, and just walk with them, listening and just sharing what we know to be true about you, sharing glimpses of your goodness that we've witnessed. Thanks for being a good God that loves us and cares for us. May we reflect that in our lives. Amen.